All right. We have got a very, very exciting morning, and it's going to start with a children's story. So I need all of the kids that would usually be in children's church, balcony and on the floor. Come on up here. Get up here. And I want you to find a, a seat on this stage. All the kids that would usually be in children's church, come on up. And I want you sitting right across this stage facing me. We have got a story for you guys today. And it is very, very exciting. So are these good looking kids or what? Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. All the kids. Come on. Here we go. All right. So today, did everybody have a good Christmas? Oh, wonderful. Today, I have got a story about these guys. These balls. I'm going to tell you a story about these balls. And we're going to do something very fun with these balls. So I wanted everybody to see these balls before I tell the story about them. All right. And then we've got one big kid that's going to take and do something with these balls. Go, 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 go. He'll be coming back. Here, here, buddy. Come on in here. Come on in here. We want everybody in front. Yeah, you guys. Come on, sit right here. Come and find your... Is that... Scary? Okay. So here is, sweetheart, you can't bang that. It'll drive me crazy. Okay, you see why I'm not the, I'm not the children's pastor. You see why. All right. So here is what happened. I was eight years old, and my little brother Jimmy was six. And one day, some friends came over, and they had a gift for me and Jimmy. I I was so excited about a gift, getting a gift. It wasn't Christmas. It wasn't my birthday. They just brought a gift. And they brought it, and we opened it up, and it was something called glow balls. And we're like, what is this? And they, they explained to us that if you go into a dark place, these balls glow in the dark. And we were like, are you kidding me? This is so exciting. So we, we had a, a fort in the back of our closet. It was the darkest place in the whole house. It was in the, in the downstairs closet. There's coats up front. And then there was this back place that, that no one would go. And it was, that was where our fort was. And it was pitch black. So we took these balls and we got into the very darkest place. And we were waiting to be just in awe at these balls glowing. And guess what? They didn't glow. We came out of that closet and we were just disgusted. These balls don't glow in the dark. We we were told these balls glow in the dark. They don't glow in the dark. I can barely even see them in the dark. And then my mom said, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute. Let me see these. Let me see this. And she, so she read the pack, and, she, and she's like, oh, you have to expose these to light. you got to expose them to a light source. Then they will glow in the dark. You need to hold this up to a light. So we, we took the balls, and we held them up to the light. We held them up to the light for about five seconds because we were sure it wasn't going to work. So we held them up for five seconds. We ran into the closet. (gasps) They glow. This is amazing. And then we got this thought. What if 
instead of holding it just for five seconds, what if we held these balls for five minutes against the light? And so we went out there. And you know, you know how impatient uh, kids can be. And I'm, you know, so we're just like holding it up there. Is it five minutes yet? No, it's five seconds. It's not five minutes. Hold, keep holding it. Because that's what the instructions said. Hold it for five minutes. And so we're like there. And is it five minutes yet? Is it five minutes yet? We want to get it. And, and so it was like, it seemed like forever, but it was only five minutes. And then we ran into the closet as fast as we could. And these balls lit up like they were a lamp. It was amazing. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, let me tell you what it has to do with us. Those glow balls were not a source of light. But they were created to be able to absorb and reflect light. Guys, you, you and I are not the source of light in this world. Jesus is the source of light. But you and I, when, when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you asked Jesus to come and live in your life, what happened is, is God came to live inside of you and he gave you these properties that you can absorb and reflect his light. All we have to do is continually expose ourselves to him and we will be like lights in the darkness. Now, here's what happens when Christians, people that do know Jesus, don't spend any time in near the light, near the light source is even though we're in this dark world and even though we're supposed to be shining and we're supposed to be drawing people to Jesus, um, it's very confusing and disappointing because we're just like those glow balls that, I thought these were supposed to do this. The Bible says we're supposed to do this, but we're not doing any of that. Well, maybe it's because you haven't been close to the light source. And so here's what we're going to do starting not, not this Monday, but a week from Monday, but we're going to talk about it today. We're going to do five days of fasting and prayer as a church. Fasting is when you, for a a time, stop doing things that are temporary. Prayer is when you start doing things that expose you to God and to God's promises. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask everybody in the church, including every one of you guys, everybody out here, to think of something that is taking up your time, something that is a distraction, something you like to do with your free time, and for five days, don't do that thing. It could be, we're not going to watch TV for five days, or we're not going to be on our phone, or we're not going to uh, play games. Or, what, or one, one thing that we do in fasting um, is some people fast from food. And, but it's not just food, it's food preparation. It's all the time it takes to get food ready and then to eat food. And then instead, we seek God. And so I'm encouraging everybody in the church, including you guys, to think of something that you're going to not do. And then I'm going to encourage you and your family to come out. We're going to have five services at night, 630 to 8. And we're going to expose ourselves to Jesus, to the light source, so that in 2019, we will shine in the darkness. Now, 
I don't want anybody to be scared about what's going to happen next, okay? So I don't want anybody to be scared. For just a little time, we're going to turn all of these lights off, okay? The only lights you're going to see are the wreath and the Christmas tree. And I want everybody to stay just where you are because here's what's happened while we've been in this time. Pastor Dave took those balls and he put them near a light source. So after the lights go off, Pastor Dave's going to come in with those same balls that you saw at the beginning. All right, so can we have all of the house lights down? All the way off. <gasps> it's kind of scary right now, isn't it? No, you can't. Oh, bring those guys. Bring the... Whoa, 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 yeah, oh, huh. does anybody want to touch them? No. Oh, whoa, whoa, aren't they cool? Now, guys, here's the thing about darkness. Here's the thing about darkness is the light shines brightest in the darkness. We never need to be afraid of the darkness because light shines brightest. This... This is what Jesus wants you and I to be in this world. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how mean people are or how much they swear or how much they do things that don't please God, when we walk with Jesus and we expose ourselves to him, we are just like these glow balls and we give light and people come and say, why are you so lit up? And we say, because Jesus has touched my life. Can we give these kids all a round of applause? Can we turn the lights back up? Okay, you guys, thank you. You've been awesome. You guys can go back and find your your mom and dad. All righty. Could we all stand to our feet in honor of God's word? If you have a Bible with you, turn to Matthew chapter 9. We are going to be reading verses 17, 14 through 17. Here we go. Fasting and prayer. Then, then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I feel an invitation from heaven to myself and to this congregation. Would you hide me today, Lord? We don't need to hear my voice. We need to hear your voice. Would you invite people? Would you invite each one, each family, to what you have for them in this coming year. We love you and we thank you and we trust you in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. You may be seated. So we have been asked to prepare some cards to invite people to City Church. So we have these very cool cards on the back table. On all of the, all of the giving tables, we have these cards, and you're welcome to take one or as many as you want. And what this is is to invite people to come to church. We start in January a series on the four values. This is a perfect time to invite people. People want to make different decisions in 2019 than they made in 2018. They, that's, that's called New Year's resolutions. I should do this. I should start doing this. It is a great time to invite people to church. And so if this is a great aid, you just take them. They're free, obviously. You just take them and hand them out and invite people. And it's got our service times and our website and all that. And so those are on the back table. All right, today, fasting and prayer. First, fasting in the new covenant. So John's disciples, this is John the Baptist and the Pharisees are like, hey, we're, we're fasting as required in the Old Testament and we've noticed your disciples aren't fasting. What's going on? And Jesus said, the natural state of human beings is not fasting. That when the bridegroom is with them, we eat and we drink and we celebrate and taking food and drink is part of God's provision and part of God's blessing. And while I'm here, they're not going to fast. And when when we're together in heaven, we're not going to fast. We're going to be with him and we're going to enjoy him and we're going to celebrate his presence. He said, but the time is coming... When my people will fast. But they're going to fast when they fast. It's going to be in a different way than you're fasting right now. And for them to fast right now would be confusing because you can't, you can't put an old system, an old wine, put wine into an old wineskin. New wine has to go into a new wineskin. And there's going to be a change of wineskin. And so fasting is going to look very different than it did in this old wineskin. Fasting in the new covenant. In the new covenant, we are made by the grace of God into God's children. I want to read Romans 8, 15 through 17. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the change of covenant. We are no longer slaves to fear. In the Old Testament, the, 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 children, the people of God were slaves to a law they couldn't keep. And it created fear. 
Slaves in the Roman Empire, 50% of the Roman Empire were slaves. Their whole security was based on performance. If they performed good enough, they had a place in the house. And if they didn't perform, then they got rid of that slave and got somebody else. So there was always a fear that I wouldn't be good enough to be in the house. My security was based on my performance and it created a fear-based relationship with God. Jesus has changed the wineskin. The son has, has a permanent place in the house, and the way the new covenant works is the Holy Spirit adopts us into the house as the children of God. We are no longer, we don't, we don't fast and pray now as slaves performing. When we fast and pray now, it's as sons possessing. In the Old Testament, everything was about being good enough. In the New Covenant, it's about Jesus was good enough. And now, fasting and prayer is not about, we don't do it to gain God's favor. We do it because we've already been given God's favor. And we just want to press in to possess all that God has given, all that God wants to pour out. We want to possess it as the sons of God. He's given all things to Christ. And Christ has shared them all with us so that we are the inheritors. We need to now possess with excitement all that God has given. There is no command in the new covenant to fast. You don't have to fast. There's just an invitation. There's an invitation. But when you do it, don't do it as a slave trying to perform for God and be good enough so that God will answer me. No, no, that's the wrong spirit. When you fast, do it as one who's been given favor by grace that is entering in to possess all that God wants for us in Christ. That's fasting in the new covenant. That brings us to point two. I heard one very quiet amen. <laughs> reasons to fast. Three reasons to fast. The first one is to become more aware of his presence. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. We may have it up on the... Oh, we got it. Here we go. Therefore, having such a hope... We use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So in the Old Testament, it was just like the glow balls that I did. 
That Moses, when he got close to God, he would start absorbing God's presence and God's light would be on him. But as soon as he got away from God's presence, because there was a veil in the Old Testament, you couldn't live in God's presence in the Old Testament. So what would happen is the glory that would be on him would start fading. And so he would put a veil up so that they wouldn't see that it's, that it's fading. So that, the, the, that they wouldn't have to see, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't last. He's glowing now, but it doesn't last. And so he would veil himself um, while it was fading. And then they would see Moses again. Yep, he's just like us. Paul says this. New Testament's different. There is now a way to live in God's presence. The veil has been taken away. God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, has has come out of the place that his holiness kept him behind that curtain. That veil has been torn. There is now an open heaven for every son and daughter of God. We can live in his presence. We can dwell in his presence. We were created for this. We were created to absorb and reflect the glory of the Lord. Now, a lot of times, the church lives under an Old Testament understanding. The church treats it just like Moses did. That when we come to church, we get close to God, and God's here, and and then we go out and we just start fading. (laughs) By Sunday afternoon, it's not as exciting as it was while we were in church. And then by Monday, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Maybe come to prayer meeting, get close again, then go. And, and that, that's the nature of our world. But God wants to break that mindset. God wants us to learn how to practice his presence everywhere. To dwell in his presence That Christ isn't just Lord of the church. He's Lord of the workplace. He's Lord of the home. We can abide in his presence. We don't have to come and go to the source. We can live in that place of light while we're in the darkness. And I'm going to submit this. This is what the world needs from the church. They, They need us to learn how to walk with God while we're out there. Not just that we've got a bumper sticker and a t-shirt that says we're Christian and that we play Christian music, but that we glow in the dark. That we we have learned how to live in this grace of God. Brother Lawrence wrote a book in 1666. It's actually written about him. He didn't write it. It's called Practicing the Presence of God, and I love the book. I love the title. Practicing. We are practicing being in his presence. Let me tell you what the week of fasting and prayer is. It's it's practice. We're going to be together from 6.30 to 8, Monday through Friday. What, what 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 are we doing in here? We're practicing being close to him. We're practicing allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us. It's not the end product is those five days. No, the end product is the whole year. We're going to aim for God in 2019. It's going to be an amazing year. 
We aren't transformed so that we can fellowship with God. We are transformed by our fellowship with God. We, we don't, we're, we're not, we don't, aren't trying to be transformed so that God will love us. No, no. We are transformed as we believe God loves us, as we possess that which is already true. This is how the grace of God works. So, uh, so last night we were watching the One Thing. I usually go to the One Thing conference every year down in Kansas City. And um, for a number of reasons, we couldn't go this year, but, but I'm watching it online. And last night's message, Mike Bickle spoke on the reset that they're resetting things down in, the, in Kansas City and at the prayer room. And, and here's, here's, where the, here's where a reset comes from. And part of the reset is they're not going to do the One Thing Conference anymore. This is the last One Thing Conference. Here's the reset. <laughs> Mike said it last night. Here's what we found. You can have a conference called One Thing. And you can have a theology about the importance of the one thing and still not be doing the one thing. The one thing comes from Luke 10, 38 through 42, where Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are bothered and distracted by many things. Only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen it. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. She's, she's tender. She's beholding him. She's, she's postured herself in a place of live, listening to God and abiding with God. And Jesus said, if you do this one thing, Everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will flow from that place. And so what they're doing down there is they're resetting. Part of resetting is just stopping a lot of the stuff they're doing right now. Just to do the one thing. Just to behold him again. He talked about being bothered and distracted by many things. And, and he said, this is many, many believers set themselves to seek God and to, to walk with him and to be, a, a, to, to be absorbing his presence. But they become bothered. Bothered by what? Bothered by everything. Bothered by your spouse. Bothered by the politics. Bothered by the church. Bothered by that guy that cut me off. Bothered, 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 bothered. And even though we intended to be close, we, we get bothered or distracted. That we become distracted by good things, by family, by outings, by hobbies. There's a thousand things that, that distract us, and pretty soon... We're just like that glow ball that doesn't glow. We're still out there, but we don't glow anymore. And so Jesus gives us these regular times to reset. I love the new year. I love just the whole, I just love that we get a chance to start over. It's a picture of the gospel, really. The gospel offers forgiveness for the past, and bright hope for the future. And every year, you get to just say, 2018, let's review it, let's analyze it, let's learn from it, and then let's put it behind us. Because it's a new year. And that's what the prayer and fasting is. It's a time of reset. 
to set, your rudder, to set the rudder of the new year in the right direction. 2016, I was asked to speak at, uh, at the Fond du Lac Church. The Fond du Lac, our sister church in Fond du Lac, I've got a good friend there, he's Pastor Tim Carlton, and they do a week of fasting prayer, just like us. And he said, would you come down here on Sunday night, the fast is starting Monday, and just kind of prime the pump for our people. And I'll never forget being down there because it's a half hour before the service and I'm in the prayer room by myself. It's dark, it's dark and I'm walking back and forth. And I'm reviewing the message and the message is going to be one thing. It's all about one thing. And I'm walking back and forth. I'm excited about this message that I'm going to speak and it's going to come really soon and the Lord speaks to me. And you say, how do you know God spoke to you? Well, I'll tell you what he said. And then you, you, you just, I know it didn't come from me. <laughs> Here's the sentence that came into my mind. You can preach about this, but you're not doing it. And instantly, I knew it was true. I, want, I wanted to say it's not true. But I knew, I knew it, 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 was, it was absolutely true. So then I took it upon myself to explain to God why I was not doing the one thing. And here's, here was my explanation. I said, God, I, I, I said, okay, I'm guilty as charged. You, you got me. But I want you to know why I'm not doing it. Because I'm pastoring this very large church and I have to speak not just on Sundays, but to this group and this group and this group and this group and the, the, cha- the chapels and all over the place. I have to speak and I want to have something from you. So I'm spending all of my time preparing. And you know what one of the translations says about Martha? You are distracted by your many preparations. And, the Lord, and, 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 and so I'm explaining to God that I'm, I'm, my, all my time is spent preparing stuff. And he said this, you choose the one thing and I will help you prepare. And I'm like, game on. Game on. Something happened to me that week. It was, it was absolutely supernatural. But from that time to this time, preparation is no longer a burden to me. It's fun. I, I prepare during the week, but I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. I know that God is helping me. And on Sunday mornings, I wake up early every Sunday morning, and he gets to change whatever he wants to change. And it, it's, really, it's really easy. I, I, I don't have a lot of allegiance anymore to what I thought I should say or what I wanted to say. Or I'm just like, here's what I prepared, Lord. Uh, pick and choose what you'd like. And he, he takes advantage of that. He takes full advantage of that. There, there, are, there are times when somebody will ask me to speak, and before I even say yes, I already know what the whole message is, and I go back to my office and write it down. That's, that's, that's just been how it's been. And that's two years now. Because God knows how all of us feel. I would love to seek the one thing. I would love to sit at Jesus' feet. But I've got, I got, I got to change diapers. I got to make dinner. 
I got to clean the house. I got to go to work. I got to make, I got this, 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 this. I'd love to do that. But I, and the Lord says this, you choose it. You reset yourself and choose this. And I will help you do everything else. I know about your work. I know about your kids. I know about your schedule. I will help you with everything else. We sang it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added. God knows you need them. He knows your life. He will help you with everything else. So one, one reason to fast and pray is to, is to become more aware of his presence to the end that we're going to, to, to sit at his feet everywhere we go. Second reason to fast is for miraculous breakthroughs. Part of the reason why we mourn is because Jesus is not here. If Jesus was here, he would do exactly what he did on earth, and there was no demon he couldn't move, there was no sickness he couldn't heal. Jesus had a solution for every problem. But when the bridegroom is absent, we're going to feel that absence. We're going to know in our minds, if Jesus was here on earth right now, he would know what to do. And so as his sons and daughters, we mourn his absence and we fast and pray and say, Lord, because the kingdom, even though the kingdom is not fully here, it is partially here. It is here in our hearts. And, and Jesus can manifest himself now. When two or three gather together in prayer, I will come in the midst of them now. I will come into heaven, will come to earth now as there is a group of people Seeking my face together, there will be an authority to bring heaven down to earth. Seeking for a breakthrough. Mark 9, 29, he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Jesus had been up on the mountain with James, John, and Peter, and he was transfigured before them, and they get down the mountain, and there's a fight going on between uh, some, uh, not a fight, an argument between uh, this guy who's got a, a demon-possessed son that keeps getting cast into the fire, and he brought, a t- brought this son to the disciples. The disciples were given authority to cast out demons, but they couldn't get it out. And so there's always going to be an argument when the church doesn't have power. <laughs> Church is supposed to have power, but church doesn't have power. And so there's this argument going on, and who knows what they're saying. They, maybe they're blaming the man. That, that what, I, don't know, I don't know what they're doing, but they can't get it out. Jesus comes down, and he says, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. But here's the funny thing. Jesus doesn't fast or pray. He just rebukes that demon, and it comes out right away. So Why? Why prayer and fasting? Does prayer and fasting earn something before God so that we can remove that thing? Or is it simply prayer and fasting brings back that close connection so that we possess that which is already ours? Let me, let me, let me, let me put it this way. 
in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, Jesus is walking on the water and the, there's a big storm going on and the disciples say, if it's you, uh, Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. And Jesus says this word, come. Now I want to submit to you that by Jesus saying, come, that Peter now has the authority, the right to walk on water. And he gets out of that boat and he walks on that word. He has got authority to walk on water because he didn't presume it. He didn't tell God that he had to. God invited him to come and he came and he started walking on water. But then something happened. The Bible says that the wind and the waves were, 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 were blowing and crashing and Peter got distracted and he stopped looking at Jesus and he started looking at the wind and the waves and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and saved him and said, oh, you have little faith. Now, here's my question. When Peter is sinking, does he still have the authority to walk on water? Absolutely. He's got authority. He just lacks the power to walk on water because he got his eyes off of Jesus. (laughs) So we can have authority but not have power. (laughs) We can have authority. We can have a position, but not possess it in a way that it's useful down here. And so sometimes we got to get our eyes off of the wind and the waves. What what are the disciples got their eyes on that they can't get this demon? They were just given authority in chapter six to cast out demons. And now they, there's a demon and they can't cast out. What, what, are the, what are the wind and the waves they're looking at? Well, they're probably thinking about their sins yesterday. And I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm holy enough. Or they're thinking about this poor boy, this poor boy. He's gone through so much and have, have gotten into sympathy and their eyes are not on Jesus anymore. And all of a sudden, even though they've got authority, they don't have power. So what fasting and prayer does is it gets our eyes back on Jesus. It resets us, if you will. In 2013, in April of 2013, actually I left in, I had a sabbatical April and May. So this is March of 2013. Before I went on my sabbatical, Joel, Pastor Joel had to ask our elder board to give me a sabbatical because I was, I was burned out. And, uh, but I had a dream right before I went on sabbatical. And here's the dream. There's a, a, a group of pastors talking theology at a table. And I come up to the pastors and I've got a cup in my hand. And I said, I said, I know what the problem is. I said, we are like this cup. We sincerely want to give a drink, but we can't give a drink because we're empty. And I I turn the, the cup over to show that it's empty. And I said this, to give a drink, a cup has to drink itself first. And I woke up. And of course, the scripture, John 7, Jesus said, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That we actually have to drink first, and then rivers to give a drink to somebody else will start flowing from us. But the key is that we have to drink first. 
I thought, that's a strange dream. I go on sabbatical. The last place we go is Bethel out in California. It's a healing conference. And I just got exposed to an open heaven, a theology of grace that I literally just, I just got filled Every pastor out there that spoke said the same thing. He said, if, if, you, um, if you abide in his presence, you don't have to be that good at your job because God's really good at his job. And this isn't about how good you are. You just, you just abide in him and don't worry about being so good at your job because God's good at his job. You just carry him. And I came back from, from that sabbatical and the, the cup had gotten filled. And we went to Montevideo because our house also sold over there, and I wanted to, to go there. We did the closing. We were thanking all the people that helped clean the house. That's a whole other story, but we're at, their, we're at this lady's house, good friend. She had everybody over that had helped clean our house for us, and we're having a party to celebrate so that I can say thank you. And one of, uh, one of the moms comes to me and says, uh, good friend, um, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to leave. Taylor, her 16-year-old son, is having one of his headaches, and we're gonna have to leave. And I'm like, I- I'm telling glory stories about healing and about God pouring on spirit. I said, well, tell me, at least tell me about Taylor's headaches. And she said, two years ago, he was dropped headfirst on on a block of cement. And she said, uh, he has these migraines. There's, there are many, many a week. And they, we've been to every doctor, every analysis. They've given us all kinds of... She said, nothing touches these things. But it's every week. And when one comes on, it's going to be hours. And, and it just started for him. And I said, well, I said, you know... <laughs> Could we, I'm telling all these stories about healing. Could I at least pray for him before, before he goes? She said, I'll ask him. So she asked, goes over and asked Taylor. Taylor's like, sure, he can pray for me. Does everybody know that prayer doesn't heal people? Jesus heals people. That's why, it's why you don't have to pray a long, elaborate, clever prayer to try to get God's. I just put a hand on his head. And I said, in Jesus' name, I just release healing power and I rebuke this pain. Go, in Jesus' name, be healed. Amen. Didn't ask him anything. Of course, 16-year-old boys are not going to tell you anything anyway. Um, and so I don't, I don't think another the party goes on and I did notice one thing. They never left. And uh, we were staying with a family there and the next morning, I'm up having my quiet time, and the dad comes out of the family we're staying with, and he says, did you read what Taylor posted on, the, on uh, his Facebook? I'm like, no, I don't even have Facebook. And he said, let me read it to you. And the 16-year-old kid who grew up in church, in church every single Sunday, said this. He said, I, last night, I experienced the real presence of God. He said, I felt it go through my mind and my brain 
And he said, I am completely healed. Now, you guys are gracious because I'm more suspicious than you. Because just because somebody thinks they're healed doesn't necessarily mean they're healed and they thought they were and they felt like they were and they declared they were and then they really weren't. And but I saw Taylor a couple months later and I said, how's it going? He said, not a single headache since then. So I'm completely better. Okay, I'm less suspicious when it's lasted a couple months. But this last summer, 2018, we were in Montevideo again. And we were, we were having a, uh, dinner, and here's Taylor is there. He's now uh, years older, five years older. He's 21. And his girlfriend is there. And I'm just like, you know, it's probably going to be embarrassing to talk about spiritual things for a young man, but I'm like, Taylor, tell me, tell me about your headaches. And he, he got to tell his testimony again front of his girlfriend about how Jesus came and healed him and he experienced the real presence of God. Folks, everything changes when you experience his real presence. And sometimes we just need to get filled to have those breakthroughs that God wants for us and for our Family. Sometimes the problem is simply this. We're an empty cup with a lot of theology, <laughs> but we're empty. Fasting and prayer to get close, to get filled for God's breakthroughs in our life. And then thirdly, for answers. Is it frustrating when you have a cell phone and you don't have service? I got this cell phone and it's supposed to be in touch with everybody and I'm supposed to be able to talk to people and I'm supposed to get messages and give messages, but I've got no service here. And whenever you don't have service, what do you do? You try to get closer to the source. You got to get closer and higher. And, 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 and all of a sudden you get a bar and then you get two bars. And how many know there's a, Barely a connection, and there's such a thing as a strong connection. One of the reasons for fasting is to increase that connection when you need wisdom in your life. Wisdom is, God, what should I do? What is my next step? Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. John is on the island of Patmos and the Lord speaks to him. He hears this, he hears this, uh, he sees a door standing open and he hears a voice like a, a trumpet, come up, come up higher, come up higher. Let me tell you something. There's a door open in heaven. Jesus opened it with his own blood. There is a door open to fellowship with God. I want to be a trumpet today to every single one of us. Come on up higher. Come on, there's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with his ability to speak. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. You really are a child of God. You really are a cell phone. You just, you just, you don't have reception maybe. <laughs> or maybe you barely have reception. So it goes in and out, in and out, in and out. How frustrating is that? 
And the Lord wants to strengthen that connection. Because whatever you're going through, God has wisdom. Even if it's not the answer you wanted, God has wisdom to go through every single thing. Listen to to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul is in a special time of fasting, and well, we don't know if it's fasting, prayer for a breakthrough. He needs a breakthrough. He's got a thorn in the flesh. God doesn't tell us what the thorn is. I'm glad he doesn't because we all have a thorn, don't we? Something in our life that we didn't want to be there. Something that was probably an attack from the enemy. And Paul is praying for deliverance from it. And God didn't deliver him from it at that time. But God did give him wisdom within it. This is what's going on. I'm not removing it right now. But I'm going to give you a revelation about my grace that is going to sustain you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, and by the way, temptation and test are the exact same word. Temptation is how the enemy will try to use a test to bring you down. God wants to use a test to refine you and strengthen you. No temptation or test is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted or tested, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Uh, Come again. Provide a way out so that you can endure it. That doesn't sound like out. That sounds like you're still in it. Every child of God has got the right, the privilege to ask God to deliver you out of tests, out of problems. But we have a responsibility to trust him when he leaves us in it and releases grace for us to endure it, the way out sometimes is to become stronger in God's grace. 2007, we moved here from Montevideo and um, I was believing for amazing things. Uh, we, I, we had just had a heartbreak. Our son had walked away from the Lord and, and, but we had this new adventure and this was a new focus, a new beginning and there's going to be revival, there's going to be blessing and and, uh, but our, our house didn't sell where we had left. And so I'm living in my brother's basement, taking care of his cat. And it just does not feel like the blessed life. And, I'm, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm complaining to God about it. I thought this was a new beginning. I thought this was going to be revival. This, this, doesn't feel, this doesn't feel like revival. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, this is a time of abasement. It's a time of humility. It's a time of, of stripping away. Do you think I liked hearing that? No. But you want to know something? That word sustained me through it. I'm in, a time of, I'm in a time of humility. God gives grace to the humble. I'm going to learn humility. I'm going to have things stripped away. I'm going to have my pride in how others think of me. I'm going to have my, my ability as a pastor. Everything got stripped away, and all I was left with 
was Jesus. Do you know that that's a really freeing place? Because you find out that he's enough. Fasting and prayer. Point three, preparing for the fast. I'm going I'm to ask you to talk to God about it's Monday. It's not, it's not tomorrow. It's a, it's a week from tomorrow. I want you to talk to God about what you should give up for five days. Something that takes up your time. Some of us certainly are going to do food. I'm, I'm suggesting, and I always suggest that people stay on juices at least because your system doesn't completely shut down. But some of us are, so you save a lot of time if you don't eat and you don't prepare food. There's just more time. But fasting can be anything, any temporal thing that you let go of for a season to focus on God. So let me give you some things that you could, could let go of. But media. Pastor Tom, I could never, I could never go without media for a week. Oh my, that's proof you need to. Seriously, if that's what comes up in you, I could, I could never go without my cell phone for a week. Hmm? Hello? Seriously, leave it at home. Check it once a day and return calls. Leave it at home. Put away TV. Put away movies. Put away your sports. Put away whatever it is that when you have free time, you enjoy doing these. There's nothing wrong with them. You enjoy doing them. It's a way to rest. It's a way to renew. It is to just do something that doesn't take, okay, that, I get that. I, I, I have that myself. But, but for this week, fast from it. Fast, fast from your usual distractions. And instead, seek God. Add prayer time. Add reading time. And just tell God, I'm not good at this, but I'm practicing. I'm practicing. And then I, I really want to encourage you to come out to those meetings. 6.30 to 8, each night of the week, there'll be an, a different emphasis each night. See, fasting without prayer is called dieting. Seriously, there's nothing, there's nothing in the Bible that says fasting in itself is valuable. Fasting always goes with prayer. It's letting go of the temporal so that you can grab a hold of the eternal in a new way. And I'm just going to encourage you to do it. Maybe it's a resetting. But maybe, maybe it's a first time setting. I want to live differently. I want, I want to be that glow ball. (laughs) that shines. All right. Could we stand together? The idea that kids wouldn't be interested in this is not true. It's all about presentation. This needs to be treated as something exciting that we're going to do as a family. There's all kinds of ways you can do the meal. There's Daniel fast, where we're not going to eat anything that takes preparation this week. We're still going to eat. Kids are still going to have food. We're going to have cheese and crackers. 
You, you added the, whatever, granola. We're going to have cereal at supper. I don't, I don't know. But the point is this. You could do something that's easy, that's simple. It's called a Daniel fast, where Daniel ate no good bread or sweets for uh, 21 days. He still, he still ate. He just didn't eat anything that took, was going to take time. Or you could do, we're, we're going to come to the prayer meeting and we're going to eat at eight o'clock. We're going to eat after the prayer. We're just going to, we're not going to go without a meal. We're just going to postpone the meal. We're going to, we're going to tell God that he's our food. And then we're going to come out. Honestly, I don't, I'm just talking. You need to decide this. It's an invitation from God. It's not, it's not about Pastor Tom. I, whatever you do, that's between you and God. Whatever I do is between me and God. But I want you to listen to the invitation. And don't get stuck. A fast is a great time to get unstuck and get on a new direction. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I am so excited about 2019. I just feel like you have so much for us. And I am just so jealous that every single adult, every single teenager, every single child would possess that which you have for them in 2019. You're a good father and you have so many good things for us. Lord, you know what happened in 2018. You know what was difficult. You know what was sin. You know what was a failure. You know what was a habit. You know, God, what, what was a distraction? What has bothered us? Lord, we don't want to be bothered and distracted in 2019. So we just give you everything that bugged us in 2018 and say, God, take this. I forgive them. Maybe you were bugged by the church. God, I forgive the church. God, I forgive my small group leader. God, I forgive Pastor Tom. Please forgive Pastor Tom. Lord, sometimes we've told ourselves that we can't seek the one thing because we're too, we've got too many things going on. Lord, I pray, I dare us to choose it in the midst of our busy life. I dare us to choose it and to trust you to help us with our preparations. Now, Lord, as we leave this building today and some are going to just talk directly to you and some are going to talk to their families about this and about what, what do you think and what, what did you get out of that and what do you think God might want you to do? And I just pray in those conversations that there would be an invitation from heaven that's got laced in it an excitement about what you have. Just get your hands off of your life and let me fill your hands with what I have for your life. Would you do it, Lord? Lord, for our sake, for the sake of the region, the people that really need to see us glowing in the dark. And then, Lord, finally, for your glory, that the Lamb of God would receive the full reward of his suffering. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks. We'll have ministry teams up here if you'd like uh, more prayer. Bless you.